crap, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> this is the intro. Us bumbling what we along. Just yeah, right, hello sure. runners. My name's Ashley. I love to go for a run. Hi, and I'm Isabel Ross. My name's Daniel. I like to see other people out there running, and that includes you. Take two. And I've been selected for the next Barkley. Come on. Coaching. <laughs> Heaps of interesting topics. The coaching roundtable. The coaching roundtable. Hi, um, welcome to the Coaches Roundtable podcast. I am Isabel Ross, and with me I have Daniel and, and Ashley. And today hello, we are going to dis- yes, say hello. And today we are going to be discussing Strava. Strava is an awesome tool for tracking your running, but it can also uh, create problems. And we're t- looking today at how Strava can create the situation where runners are racing every run to try to improve or run a faster pace for everyone um, and for every run and to show that they are a fast runner and to beat every segment every time they run. And, of course, we can't do that. It's unsustainable to run at that speed or run pushing your body every run. And we wanted to discuss the, the merits and the pitfalls of Strava. Very good intro. You know, I think I think that was an excellent intro, and it was a bit like Strava. You started rushing at the start because you had all these thoughts in your head, <laughs> and then it started to slow down as we got further in. That's exactly what happens in Strava. Yeah, um, well, not... yeah, I mean, because rushing like that will cause you to slow down. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. It was a, it... sort of a zone three. You're in zone three at the beginning of that intro, and you, <laughs> you brought it back into zone yeah, two. Yeah, I was watching my heart rate, and it was spiking, so I thought I'd better pull it back. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, God, we're such geeks. No, um, no, right? No, I yeah. wasn't really watching my heart rate. <laughs> um, just, just so everyone knows, I think Strava's a little bit like everything. Uh, yes. There is a point where you can have too much of a good thing. And the point yeah. of diminishing returns. Yes. Yeah. Um, I just want to start by saying if it didn't happen on Strava, it, it, oh, yeah. it, it, it still did happen. I mean, I I have to admit, I am a bit of a, I like to see every run I do on Strava, but that doesn't mean I'm always proud of every run, but yeah. Yeah, okay then, straight into it. Yeah, see, I'm a victim to it too, I'm not denying that. Oh, we all are. Yeah. Do you want to know what's really funny? Yes. Daniel, I think we must have been chatting on a different podcast last year, and Daniel wanted to go through the stats, and he goes, have you only been on Strava for 12 months? And I went, yeah, I have. And yeah. he goes, oh, and I went, well, the, the reason that I joined Strava was literally to um, – I wanted proof of some of the stuff that I was doing to be open proof in the public. Yeah. And so I joined Strava. Before that, yeah. I didn't care less whether anyone knew how little or how much I ran, but I well, wanted to run some particular routes – where, yeah. you know, I wasn't aiming for FKTs, but I wanted acknowledgement yeah. that I had completed it because I was raising money for cancer research at the time. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. See, I only joined Strava in 2018, and that's because I was in Canada and I wanted to be able to see what my friends' runs were in Canada so I knew where to run because yeah. I didn't necessarily know where to run. So I never joined it. I had put off joining it for this, what we are about to talk about. That's what, because, and also I didn't want people to see how slow I run in training because I'm embarrassed that I run slow in training. 
<clears throat> but um, interesting. And yes. I've always run slow in training compared to what my race results are. And I think that that's actually a very interesting correlation because, you know, um, I could I have always been. I don't know whether it's still true anymore, but I used to always be able to, everyone that would beat me in training, I would beat on race day. Yeah, that's good. Yes. Um, that, I mean, you want to win racing, not training, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Racing, well, that's the training, plan. Not yeah. Yeah. You would hope so. But a lot of people run their race in training and often because of the pressure of things like Strava, they run their race in training and then when it comes to race day, they're, they're stuffed. They're tired. Yeah. Can I, that's interesting. I want to come back to that. I totally agree. But can I just, I just want to back it up a bit. And mm-hmm. I'm, I guess because this is a coaching roundtable and this is probably for, I want to just talk to the people who are brand new perhaps to running in general or whatever. And they go, what the hell is a Strava? So here's I'm going to just, a very brief <laughs> that's a good point of what Strava is. We talk about it as though it's such a, it's, it's so ingrained in what we do as runners now, but let's, it, so Strava is, a, I'm, I'm actually just going to read a little bit here off this um, off this little website called Wikipedia. So it's not anything special. It's, it's a social fitness network and it primarily tracks cycling and running exercises using GPS data, um, although alternative types are available. Strava came out in 2000 and um, you can pretty much download onto your phone any phone and it's compatible with pretty much every um smartwatch um so you can some of the things you can do with strava is you can help you can customize your goals it has um custom leaderboards training plans race analysis um segment effort analysis safety stuff like personal heat maps beacon um, and then you can go into your power analysis workout analysis live segments, relative effort. So there's a lot of stuff there. And um, so, I mean, we can go, there's a lot to Strava and it's almost like a a subculture of the sport of running and cycling. Um, And so I guess that's what we're trying to explore today. And I I think that the, the biggest positive from Strava is it has motivated, humans like data, I think mm. whether and that and Strava presents data in a very simple way, um, and so it's really great in that regard. And plus, you get to be able to interact. It's a social network, so you get to interact with other athletes. You can follow like the greatest athletes in the world and give them kudos and, and write comments. So a kudos, if you don't know what it is, it's like a like or a, yes. or whatever. And so I didn't know what that was because for many years I was on Runkeeper before Strava um, and so Runkeeper was similar and um, so yeah so that's my little Strava that's what Strava is and I think it's been really good in for a lot of the reasons because because humans are so data driven I feel like it's really responsible since 2009 it's really been a big part of promoting another running boom because I think you know you'll think about running booms like back in the 80s there was the, the running boom. Um, I think it was it jogging or they jogging as, as Ron Jog, Jogging was the 70s. 70s? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. And so, like, there's been various booms in, in the sport of, of distance running. And um, Strava is definitely has played a big part in this new boom. So, yeah. 
So that's my intro to what Strava is, for those of you that don't know it. Um, by the end of this, some people might be downloading it onto their phone for the first time. Some people might be deleting it from their phone. <laughs> so <laughs> let's see. Along with I, the COVID I app. think like any tool, it's like a tradesman doesn't blame his tools. Um, and I feel like Strava is just a, a very useful tool if used properly. So now, Yes, from, and from I, what... I agree. That's why I was saying there are merits to it, but yeah. there are also pitfalls, and it's learning how to use it to maximise the mm. positives rather than get sucked into the negatives. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, when Daniel was saying that you can follow the best runners in the world, just so you know, you can follow Isabel and Daniel <laughs> on But then you'll see how slow and, I run. And Ashley. <laughs> and Ashley. We can, we're yes. all on there. Um, we are all on there now. Oh, yes. Yeah. And and so it's funny, you tip going back to how slow you run. Um, there's a it, – it's that's such a big thing, you know. I quite often hear with people that I coach, they're like, oh, I just don't – I, I find it really hard to run slow. I find it hard to run slow, Daniel. And I'm like, okay, it's this thing, the D word, the big D word, discipline, okay? Um, there's one of the famous, um, most, oh, probably one of the fastest runners in the world. Actually, I'm going to give you a, a quote from one of the fastest runners in the world and mm-hmm. what he said about um, discipline, okay? Oh. Of course, I'm trying to Google at the same time as talk, and um, and we all to... know men can't multitask. So. No, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm just going to quickly talk about crowns then. Go, and I'll come back to you. You'll come and back. We'll to come back to you in a second. So, yeah. I, I had when I joined Strava, I had no idea, um, and I certainly don't use all of Strava's tools. Pretty much the only one that I use is um, it just gives proof that I've covered a particular distance. So um, other than that, I use tools on other devices um, that are available on Strava. But one day I I got this message come through on Strava because it's a social platform. And I said, oh, congratulations on your crown. And I had to write back and say, what's a crown? And apparently a crown is is running the fastest time. And and I'd just gone out to do a run um, of a race course that um, I wanted to race later in that year. And um, so I ran um, part of the course. I didn't, certainly didn't run all of the course because it was an ultra. And I came back and apparently I was the fastest person who'd ever run that section of the course. Um, and I wasn't particularly trying to run hard, et cetera, at that point in time. And it just going to show you that very few people had run that part of the course. <laughs> That's uh-huh. what- so, yes, there are things called crowns, apparently, where you can um, go out and try and beat other people. And I assume, then, that people do silly things like uh, try to claim that crown every weekend yep. or uh, maybe even cheat by jumping in a car and trying to claim said crown. Well, um, we won't worry about that. What we're yeah. worrying about is runners running too hard every single day or too frequently you know that that's what i think we need to focus on there there is a thing to be said for when people begin running they generally head out the door and they just start at a pace that feels comfortably uncomfortable if that makes sense 
Yeah. And they run at that pace for their entire run. And that pace is somewhere generally between zone two and zone three, but it's not actually giving you the benefits of being in zone three proper, and it's not giving you the benefits of being in zone two proper. Okay. Ashley, can you uh, give us a bit of a, an overview of what those two things are? Am I putting you on the spot here? What is You are putting two? me on the spot, and I was actually going to put you on the spot. Okay. With exactly this because um, you've done a bit in um, V.02. Yeah. So. And it does the zoning really well um, because you do a bunch of tests and then it, it chucks you into your zones um, or it figures out the <laughs> zones that you should be running in. But basically, um, zone two, you should be able to have a conversation comfortably with somebody. Zone three, you're starting to have a very short type conversation where you can chat for a little bit but then you've got to stop chatting um, and this is when you're running okay so zone one is walking let's just call it walking oh it could be jogging very slow jogging shuffling so yes yeah, go shuffling zone. shuffling would be right can i give um, you the heart rates so zone one yeah go for it zone one is about zone one is around or below 60 percent of your maximum heart rate so give or take. So if you can keep your, if you can jog and your heart rate's below 60% of your max, you're very fit. But um, most people can't do that. Um, so next, what's zone two then? So, how does, so is that zone one? So what's zone two feel like, Ashley? Zone two Jogging. feels like you're moving, but you can have a great chat. You can just chat normally. You really can, but you can, you can go. And every so often you've got to stop and breathe. But it's like you can chat for three or four minutes before you have to really breathe. Um, if you're running uphill, um, like if you're in zone two and then you suddenly hit an uphill and try to keep that pace, you'll quickly move into zone three, um, if that makes zone, sense to everybody. Yeah, so zone two would be basically from about 60% to about 75% of your maximum heart rate. So there's a bit of wiggle room there. But... Um, yeah, that's where we should do most of our training. But um, and then zone, th what does zone three feel like, Ashley? Zone three is you're starting to have three and four word answers to somebody talking to you, um, yep. and they're not big words; <laughs> they're short words, and you can put them together. Um, but then you've got to stop and you've got to go back to concentrating on breathing for a sec, so that you can then get the next lot of uh, chatting out. Yep. So, yeah, so we're, we're talking 75 to 85%. We're getting up there of our maximum yep. heart rate. Yeah. Then zone four, you yeah. have one word answers, lots of breathing, and sometimes you don't actually understand the question that was asked of you. Yeah. So zone four hurts, doesn't it, a bit? It hurts. How, it yeah. definitely hurts. And zone five? Zone five. You, Can't do it you very know, long. You're not, you're not chatting anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, you're really not talking. You, you, your face is red. You're breathing hard. You're going flat out. Yeah, it's it's no longer um, – it's fun to be in that zone That's for a little while, say. but you're not going to stay fun, there for a while. It actually is fun. It is fun. It is, but, it's yeah. a lot of fun being in that zone. That's what – But it's, it's, it's a zone that you're not in – You can't. that's not a zone that you would be in for an entire run. <laughs> Unless yeah. the run's very short. Yes. I would say there's zone five, you can basically do for probably the last 100 meters, for about 100 to maybe 200 meters, uh, um, you're 
especially if you're in a race, it would be the last bit of a race or if you push really hard up a steep hill. Um, and so, but, and yeah, so zone four, I should go back, is about 85 to 95 or 90% of maximum zone four. And then zone five would be um, nine, in the 90% area. It gets, it gets tricky because, you cr- yeah, it gets like um, you can't – there's no clear percentage. I mean, there's different data that says it's very clear. But, yeah, in the 90s, about 95% of your maximum – um, you basically you can't go much faster, yeah, and then there is they talk about a zone six, which is basically like it's completely anaerobic. Like using the that's basically how fast a 100 meter sprinter would run. You know, like the top level 100 meter sprinter. And they, there's no oxygen. Yeah. Anyway, it's we won't go. To, but basically, I guess the mo- whole point of us telling all this is so that we can give an idea of how we should approach Strava. Is that what we're getting at? That's what we're getting at. Well, that's the plan. I'm I'm presuming. Yes. Um, because what ends up happening is is like Ash was saying is that runners tend to run in zone three for Strava. Um, what? yeah, bordering on zone four, and um, if you ask me. Um, but I'm mainly zone three, and zone three, you're you're not going to get great adaption, as in improvement for uh, for long term future running, <clears throat> running in zone three all the time. In fact, you're going to actually um, reduce your ability to run well in the future. Yeah, I agree. You basically, it's it's the zone where you just wear yourself out. Mm. With no training benefits. No, no. Very benefits. minor, very minor training benefits. But basically, the only where, benefit you, you get is to say that I did it on Strava. I pretty was much. Fast. Yeah. That's the only benefit because, to be honest, that that's all you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Um. Yeah. You both 100% agree. And it, it's it's funny. They call there's a lot of books that call it that I've heard they call it the black hole. Well, that's what I three. call it. As I call yeah. it the black hole. Well, it I is. Call it sucks you in. The grey zone, because it is. Yep. You, it feels like how fast you should be running. That's what people think that every time you go out for a run, you should yes. be feeling this level of tiredness. But yeah. uh, I am of the opinion that most of what you do, and science backs me, um, and I think um, most of what you do should feel pretty damn easy. Well, you know? to be honest, I mean, it's like easy running should be 80%, minimum 80% Correct. of your um, training program. The really yeah. hard work is only maximum 20%. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's if you're really doing... So, just so everyone knows, if you're only running 20Ks a week, that means that 18 of those kilometres should be really easy and mm-hmm. only two of them or less than two should be hard. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. And and a lot of people do it the other way around and then wonder why they're not getting any faster, but they're actually getting slower. Even though they may think they feel okay, they still just keep getting slower. Um, Yeah. And it's, it's, and it's hard to, for that kind of person who gets sucked into it when they do get sucked, it's hard to see, um, a way out of that because you feel trapped into running hard every run. Yes. Um, 
Sorry, Ashley? Were you gonna, I think yeah. you say so something. basically, for the beginner runner, um, what I wanted to say is it's actually it's really hard to run slow. And the for reason the that I say runner? it's really – Yeah, for the beginner runner, because to run, you're oh, probably pushing above yes, zone yes. two. So it means you actually have to do – Yeah. It's only because they lack efficiency. It's only because they lack efficiency, not because they are not good runners. It's just developing that efficiency. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. So don't be scared of walking. Mm. When it, when it, you know, if your coach has said to you, I want you to run in zone two, and running in zone two, when you look at your watch, you go, no, this can't be right because it says that my heart rate's doing zone four at the moment and I'm only just running. Well, that just you're just not efficient. You need to walk. Yeah. Okay. So, and many top athletes have gone through this and um, forced themselves to slow down and then had major breakthroughs after they have backed off all that hard running session after session and done, you know, a lot of components of easy. I mean, this is where the whole math um, philosophy comes from as well. Um, I don't know if people know math, as in you run easy basically all the time, but slowly over time that um, easy pace becomes faster and faster. Mm-hmm. And, yep, I, um, I, yeah. I agree yeah, with that. That the, definitely the, happens. The Phil, Phil Mathetone's yep. uh, approach. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. There's a, I mean, his is one of – He's very strict on it. I'm not as strict. Like, I still think we need to do some speed work. He says no speed work. Well, I, I don't agree with that. But I also agree that we need to do more easy running. Yeah. You'll get more benefits if mm. you if you took two athletes who have the same, who are physiologically the same in every way. Like let's say you take a pair of a couple of twins, and you get one to just train really low heart rate zone two running 100% of the time, so not even 80-20, versus one that um, is doing um, zone three running. The one that's running slow, I think, in long term, will get faster. Um, yeah. Yeah. But initially it's hard. And I think a bit of ego comes into it. Oh, definitely. And that, and oh, ego's the whole the biggest problem issue that we're talking about, really. And, yeah. and I'm not saying that, oh, those people who do that are egotistical because I'm, I feel the same. Like I said, I'm embarrassed and that's why I didn't go on Strava for such a long time. So there's ego for all of us. Yeah. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's when you let it control you that it, it becomes prob- problematical. The yeah. fact is we all need an ego of some sort. We definitely need an ego, definitely. You know, yeah. I'm sure that it gets to a point where you think, yeah, that guy's ego is a little bit too big or that girl's ego is a little bit too big. But the fact is we all need one. Mm. And we all, as human beings, suffer from peer pressure. And Strava is just another way of, being sucked onto peer pressure. Yeah. And so if if you're really trying to get good and you're using the data, try not to look at other people's data. Yeah. yeah that's the um, You know, just look at your own data and compare that to what your coach is asking you to do. Or if you're not using a coach, whatever you've pre-planned, stick yeah. to your plan. Yeah, and just watch your own stuff. You will get the improvements you're after if you stick to your plan. It can take for a it running starting starting from scratch running. It's not an easy process unless you've run your entire life because you were forced to, 
which let's face it, in, in Australia, Western culture, that's very unlikely for 99.9% of the population. Um, running is going to take quite a while to adapt to. Yes. Yep. And I'm not talking months, I'm talking years. So just accept that that's what's going to happen and try not to race every weekend on Strava. Or oh, it will benefit you massively. Yeah. Mm. I, that's beautifully put, Ashley. And I, that quote that I was going to read out before, I found it. And I'm going to read it now and I'll just see if you know the athlete. And because um, it really ties in with what you are both just saying. And the, this is the quote. It is, self-discipline starts with you. It's no other person. It starts with you. Start to examine yourself. Self-discipline is doing what's right instead of doing what you feel like doing. That's the mm. meaning of self-discipline. Yeah. Do you know who that is? Absolutely not a clue. Was it Rob yeah. DiCasella by any chance? No. It was um, the Elliot Kipchoge, fastest marathoner in it the world. It was Kipchoge. Okay. Yeah. And so he – yeah, sorry. No, you go. Finish your statement. I was just going to say, here's someone. He can run a marathon – two minutes and 50 seconds per kilometre, okay? And I can tell you, I mean, he's not on Strava. Believe me, I've looked. Um, I've looked for him. Um, he can run that fast a lot. He runs upwards of 200 mm. kilometres a week, but, guarantee, but a lot of his runs are much, yeah. much slower. Most of he, he he trusts his coach. His coach is Patrick Sang, who was a, he's a, Kenyan, a former Kenyan athlete, he was a bronze medalist, I think, in the 1500. Fantastic athlete himself. But he, Kipchoge trusts his coach, and his coach says, don't push, you know, run slow. And, I mean, yeah. Kipchoge, he is known for quite often running slower than five minutes per kilometre for a lot of his runs, you know. And that's someone who can run significantly faster. Well, he can run two minutes per kilometre, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it just... I don't know. Like, I, I feel like that really frames it for me. It's like people want to train and like the best athletes. But then you look at these best athletes, and I think people are getting caught up with, oh, look, Kipchoge ran 25 kilometres um, at four minutes per kilometre. Like, yeah, that's but that's a slow a, pace for him. That's a steady state job, you yeah. know. Like, that's he's running just He's nice not racing that. No, but people see that. They go, oh, I've got to do that. And it's like, no, he's just running. He's probably having a conversation the whole time as well. Yeah. Um, whereas I could not run that that far and that, without having a conversation. I'd, I'd be bleeding out of my eyeballs. Oh, my God, my lo- yes. I'd be coughing up blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, But just, you know, that restraint and that ability to run, sl- like to hold back. And, you ha- I mean, you have to ask yourself, and for people who might be listening to this podcast while they're running – What's the purpose of this run you're doing right now? And that is the uh, the crux of it is you should have a purpose for every run. Yeah. And if the purpose is to go hard, well, firstly, I doubt it's for the whole run, um, then stick to the purpose. Yeah. That's what's so important. Yeah, agree. Have you ever gone for a run and, and gone, okay, this is going to be – I'm going out for an easy 20K or 10K, let's say – but then a few cases into it, you started to unleash or you, you ran into Normally it. when I'm running late and I'm like, crap, I've got to get home. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. That's the only time I – but, you know, but, yes, I know what you mean. Sometimes you go for a run and you feel so darn good and all you want to do is just push the envelope a bit. And I think on the odd occasion, you know what, go with it. If you're feeling good, go with yeah. it. But then make sure the next day, even say, let's say, oh, but the next day I'm doing speed work. Well, then take it easy the next day. Yeah. You know, like, and yeah. if you've got a coach, let them know, look, I just felt so good and I really had to go with it. And then the coach can adapt your plan and say, okay, we're going to give you a rest day from that and have a look at your data and see where your heart rate was. And, you know, I, I do agree. Sometimes you need to be a little bit free-flowing and, and that's fine, um, but it's not being silly about it. It's not then following it up with, oh, and I'll do speed work tomorrow and then a 35K run the next day and, then, you know. Yes. A hard day after hard day after hard day. Yes, that's how you bust yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. No, the, the do, you, purpose... do you know what's really good about notifying your coach when you have those peak days as such where yep. you just feel magical? Yeah. Those are the ones you really want to notify your coach about because mm. when your coach Definitely. marks that, they go, okay, look at that. That training block that we've just done resulted in a peak, mm. which may or may not have been the coach's aim at that point in time. But it gives them something to then work towards when they go, you know, we want to peak for a particular race. We might just repeat that training block that we did in February because we know we had a peak in there because you ran beautifully and felt mm. amazing um, during that time. So it's one of those things where uh, keeping some form of diary mm. other than just the data is really important to really But also it's, to it's good coach. to – um. And it's not just the data because you can look back on that and it's not just what, what training you did, but what else was happening in your life? Did That's you exactly have, right. were you in isolation and getting more sleep and um, spending more time stretching and doing your core work? Hmm, suddenly, all of a sudden, I'm running better. Look at the correlation. Maybe yeah. when we're out of isolation, I need to focus on maybe cutting back my running, but getting more sleep, doing more core work, doing more stretching. Hmm. That's a really good point. Now, I'm just going to let people in on a little secret, and this is just a personal situation, so it does not correlate to everybody, but it's just one that I've noticed in myself in the last week. Um, last week, uh, my wife was out shopping, and um, she found some of my favourite crisps or chips, and they came in a half kilo bag, a lot of chips. Oh, my God. Who needs half a kilo of chips? No one does, but exactly. she brought them home for me just to go, can you believe that these come in half yeah. kilo and they're like yeah. your favourite? So I started eating those chips and then trying to run. And you know what uh -huh. I know that yes. I shouldn't do now is yeah. eat those chips and try and run because mm. I felt so ill yeah. that I could not actually run after eating these things. And previously I kilo? would have gone, no, I didn't eat half a kilo. Like, <laughs> no, but I've found before – I find before, like, if I'll go, oh, it's Sunday night, junk food night, I'm going to get fish and chips or whatever, and we've had a junk food meal as a family or whatever, then the next day I run like crap. And that's like, you know, 12 hours later, but that junk food is still sitting in me, making me run like crap. So well, once again, you bringing that up, sure, you're not going to – most people wouldn't run straight away after eating chips, but just logging your food as well, is yeah. an important thing because yeah. it really does, food does affect your performance. Yeah. So it was just one of those things that I really noted in the last week and it was like, oh, my God, don't buy me those chips ever again <laughs> because mm. 
they just have knocked me about. Like, I, I never really, like, but previously I'd never bought a bag anything like that size or eaten, I guess, that quantity in a short period of time. And I certainly didn't eat all 500 grams, but um, it was way too much to try and run on. Yeah. Can I, in a race, I, I love chips later on. Ah, oh, see, no, nah, I can't no. eat chips in a race either because they make me sick like they made Ash sick. There you nah. go. No. Nah. I love the see, salty potato taste. Yeah, I like the potato taste and the salt. And I, you know how you have um, the cooked potato dipped in salt? Yeah, yeah, that's I, okay. I can eat that. Yeah, but I really like that when the potato's warm. When the potato's yeah. cold, oh, oh my I just God. I have Fussy trouble much. stomaching it. Mm. Wow. Um, how interesting. So, <laughs> anyway, I think we've uh, deviated from Strava. We have deviated, <laughs> sorry. That's right. But um, we, will, we will do a, a topic. A, a podcast on uh, nutrition, nutrition and diet, yes. um, definitely. But anyway, so, yes, back to the, the 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 discussion at hand is, you know, not letting Strava dictate your run purposes. Yes. Letting um, your plan, which is either set by your coach or by yourself or whoever it is, um, a structured plan that for each run there's a purpose and sometimes the purpose is to run easy, and quite often that should Most be the purpose. The yeah, it's a you got to hold back. Having that restraint mm. sometimes yep. is so like not eating half a kilo of chips, restraining yourself. <laughs> yes, Ashley. Um, <laughs> I didn't eat half a kilo. I'm, oh, that's going to be the story now that you. It's going to be the story. Kilo. Yeah, it's going to be the story yeah. that, that Ashley goes out and eats half a kilo and then tries to run. Yeah. Well, no one can run like yeah. that. Yeah. I, I anyway, so yes, but, so restraining yourself. You're quite right, Daniel, and and that's it. Is and and restraining yourself for the greater good, mm. and the greater good is race day. And you, like I say, I say this to my athletes and and other people as well. Is you don't want to win training. No. Who cares who wins training? I, I don't care what I want to win. And when I'm saying win, I'm not meaning come first. I'm meaning do your absolute best and get the best out of yourself. You want to win races. That's yeah. what it's about. You don't want to get to race and go, oh, I had such a big training block. I'm so tired. Well, that's the worst training block known to man then. Yeah. Exactly. It is because it, trying to prepare you for an A race. Yeah, I mean, that didn't prepare you. That, that killed you. So um, don't win training. Sure, let everyone pass it by. That's absolutely fine. Let them beat you. And I've always felt that that's so important because what matters to me is that myself and my athletes do their best on race day. That's yeah. the day that's important. Not every other, not every training run. Because not every training run is going to feel awesome anyway. We don't magically feel awesome every time we run i agree and it's funny we are we are very fortunate in this era i'm not just talking about this coronavirus era i'm just talking generally in this part of history we have so much tech that can <clears throat> monitor our body and yeah. our, our performances we, we can monitor our heart rate we can monitor monitor our power output there's no there's not really an excuse for, for like saying, oh, I got carried away. No. 30 years ago, hardly anyone even ran in stopwatches with, with yeah. a stop, you know, and people were still running really well back then because they just go, oh, the coach told me I've got to run this effort the whole way. So they did it, you know. Like yeah. if you look at some of the top athletes back in the 80s, 
you know they were running some sensational times and um so it's about utilizing the technology that's available to your benefit not to your detriment it's not a you know like we strava is sort of a measure of one metric and that is your pace that's the thing that everyone loves to look at they have to look at their pace oh look at my average pace oh look how much elevation i got you know like um it's so it's sort of like but you got to look at that big picture and it's like where am i going with this what's the big what what is the purpose of all this training and yeah. um don't yeah and Stra- i mean strava is great and look sometimes when i finished a, when i finished a race and i hit save and then the, then it, i'm not gonna lie i enjoyed the kudos rolling in after and the comments of you know, course we, we all do we all go it's human you know, nature you get that yeah. virtual pat on the back it's like good work yeah. it is and um but we all get addicted to it on every run. And I always think um, how interesting or how much would it change the dynamic of people's training if Strava took away the ability to, to give kudos or comment on people's runs. Yeah. You know? So well, that's I, looking after your ego, Daniel. It's, it's looking after – what's that? Your ego. Yeah. The kudos. The kudos is there. Oh, like, yes. Yeah. It's just – it's, yeah. it's reinforcing your ego, which is not a bad – I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just that's what it's doing. Well, it's, it's like using Facebook or Instagram and posting just to um, make sure you get the most likes possible. And yes. there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But when it becomes an obsession and your only reason for posting, um, then that's when it could be seen as maybe being a bit of a problem for you. Yeah. It's like a curated – going for a, like a curated run where you go – um, no, you don't get these curated Instagram posts where people are, I don't know, on a beach somewhere. I mean, not, not at the moment, but like on a <laughs> beach and you see a pair of legs, you know, on the beach and it's like hashtag, um, hashtag blessed, hashtag yes. But, you know, oh, hashtag blessed, yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I don't know. It's, um, but yeah, it, it's interesting. I just would, I think it's uh, funny some of the features that we've got on Strava, uh, I'm actually just looking on Strava now. So, I mean, with the, the looking at the segments. Someone, yeah. Isabel, what are you doing? Oh, sorry, I was just moving some things around. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear that? I wasn't sure. Oh, oh yes, hear. clear as. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I thought you were opening that packet of chips. <laughs> no, I just finished it. That's what I was doing. <laughs> But we, um, yeah, like the segment sections. So, like, um, so today, I'm going to use an example. Today, I went for my, I just went for a little 10K run this morning yeah. up on my local trail, feeling really good. As I mentioned to you guys off air, feeling fantastic. I was just like, oh, just going up a pretty big hill that was on that borderline between do I run or do I walk kind of hill pretty steep in some sections but not so steep that i couldn't run it um and then but yeah just i got up it feeling great got to the top and then i looked back later and i was number seventh overall on on the strava leaderboard and i thought that's a really good indicator of my training moving forward you know so that i i know that i I wonder if you had um, – can I just ask a question what you think? Yeah. Like if you had actually focused on getting that 
Striver segment. I wonder what your result would have been like comparatively. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I and that's a really good point. And like I, I've done that. Before. I've done that plenty in the past. I mm. uh, was especially in the last few months. I've gone out and chased a few segments because, you know, just completely. Yeah. My I just find that sometimes yeah. when you chase it and focus on it, you don't do as well as when you just let it happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good point. No. I think that's got a lot to do with how relaxed you are. Yeah. Yes, and that's what I'm trying to get at as well. Yeah. Yeah. You, you still have – when you race, you have to race relaxed. Yes. Take the mm. pressure off, and, and, and which is hard to do, but don't focus on racing. For me, when I race – I focus on having an adventure. That's what I focus on and how yeah. lucky I am to be able to do what the race that I'm doing. I focus yeah. on That's one of those things when people first go into – sorry, when people first go into racing, they get really stressed when they turn up to a race yeah. and they don't yeah. race as well as they would like to. Um, yeah. And that's part of going in and doing a bunch of races um, just to get used to the process of racing or working through – you know, with somebody who has done a lot of racing and can take you through all of those feelings and yeah, learning working to through that process. Yeah, learning to embrace it. But actually, Isabel, that makes me – I've been wanting to ask you this for some time. Mm-hmm. So with your – you've had some pretty amazing races and I'm just thinking, like, you've had a pretty amazing running career. And just going back to the, one of your more recent ones with, um, yeah. in um, the – great southern endurance run that you yeah. won gosh when was that now was that last year yeah that was november that was like a lifetime ago yeah i know yeah it's weird isn't it um yeah, yeah all right so, like, so i went into that one planning to win it i have to admit with that one yeah i don't normally normally i go into them because i find having that pressure on myself i i i'm not very i i don't respond well to that kind of pressure. Um, but this time, because I'd DNF'd it before, I was determined to do well and I was determined to win it. So, yeah, wow. yeah I did. With that one, I, that was my focus, I have to admit. And I told my crew before the race that my plan was to win it. And I don't normally ever tell people that sort of stuff because I don't want the pressure from them either. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but that was different for some reason. I don't know why. You had you had a good training block going in, and yeah. it was a, and this was a stepping stone to to Barclay, wasn't it? Basically, I'd just heard I'd gotten into Barclay, so it was kind of like, well, yeah, but I yeah, I, I guess I was on a high from Barclay from getting into Barclay again as well. I don't know, but but even before I'd heard about getting into Barclay, I knew I wanted to win it. Yeah, that was and what my goal was. So one of the things what I wanted I'm trying to relate. Mm. Um, your how you train to how you race you mm. using you as a bit of a case study um and so you're when you're out there on your long training runs yeah are you using those long training runs like a rehearsal for your race day or are you, are you well so i'm you, definitely not doing race pace no for my long runs you're not I will, slower. oh god yes i mean i do them at a cruisy pace and I'll often do it with friends and we chat and we stop and take photos and and um long runs are, are not for racing no and and like but what I will try to do is I will look at the course beforehand work out what the elevation is say over 100 k's or whatever and then if I'm doing a 40k run have the 
you know, this, the appropriate amount of elevation and that sort of thing to emulate the course. So I will get an idea of what the course will do to my body, but I would not, if I race the long run every week, uh, no, no. Right. So you, you expect your long runs to be slower than your race pace. Definitely. Though, like Great Southern Endurance Run is a massive race. Yeah. So, uh, Admittedly, uh, that was probably slower than my long runs. <laughs> yeah. But, um, um, but only you, because of the, the the level of technicality of the course and the you know like some of it you were yeah you I needed a machete to get through some of it you know kind of thing. Yeah, so wow. yeah, so that's kind of different. But yeah, and and of course I didn't do all my long runs at at night. So running at night or whatever I was doing, hiking, groveling, is mm-hmm. always going to be slower anyway yeah so it's in terms of pace so in your block leading up to that were you doing what sort of faster stuff were you doing well i had i do two speed workouts uh speed whatever uh uh, uh, a week and you know i'd done a block of vo2 sort of runs you know sessions and then i was um getting more specific so focusing more on tempo long long tempo runs where yes then for an hour or so I'd be pushing harder to that hour um yep. within that within that run and that yeah. might sometimes be in a long run and sometimes I would do it in a long run but never for the whole long run but that way I'd be doing the tempo Excellent. like if I did it in the middle of a long run it would be on pre-fatigue legs Excellent. and then yeah and then finish the run on fatigue legs from the tempo so it was it's a really good training stimulus Interesting. Oh, good word. I'm glad you mm. said that word. Um, <laughs> no, that I just wanted to sort of pick apart the sort of how a, an athlete actually does utilize looking at pace and stuff like that. Um, for like, because obviously there's a lot you can gain from Strava. I spend a lot of time looking at my own Strava and other people's Strava, people who I coach, people who I follow, and um. Yeah, so, I mean... To me, it's been useful recently because, you know, I, I got injured doing GSCR and um, it was a nerve injury, which is a really long, slow process to get over. And so, and it also made me run super slow. Um, and I'm noticing now each run, it's saying, oh, you're getting faster. This bit was faster and that bit was faster. And it's like, oh, thank God. It's really a good, um, really positive feedback for me to see that I'm getting fat. I'm yes. still way slower than I would like to be. But just seeing that gradual increase, it's like, see, it's happening. Keep being patient, keep, you know. So it, it can be used for motivation in that regard too. Excellent. Yeah, that is a good point. And when you're getting faster on segments without mm. the F, with yes, like, that's with right. The heart rate staying the same. Yeah, exactly. Lower. When you're not, yeah, when you're not deliberately racing it, but you're just getting faster at it from just getting faster overall. That's yeah. really um, motivating. It is. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, do you have any questions for the athlete there, Ashley? <laughs> no, she's covering it very well. Yeah, good. No, I'm glad you feel that way. That's I do too. I think what you're really discussing there is if, and I'm not, I've got to be careful using this word because efficiency in running is a very specific term. Yeah, you've been in trouble for that before. I've been you? in trouble for that in the past with. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Physiologists. Um, yeah. But basically, you feel, or when you look at your running your perceived effort is less and you're getting the same pace. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big believer also in running by feel. 
I don't really use a heart rate monitor anymore because I've learnt to recognise what my body feels like at different levels. And um, I tend to, like with my long runs and that sort of stuff, run by feel. Yep. Here's, here's something we were talking about at the very beginning. So in race, how much yep. of your race that you did, for example, would you have been in zone two, do you think? Well, I have no clue. Would you say know. more than 50%? Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I once again, with these really long races, I don't really remember a lot of it. <laughs> it's like a big night out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot, lot of, um, you know, a blank space, space yeah. uh, spaces there. <laughs> I forgot yeah. what the word is for that. Blackout? Yeah, that's the one. Fall. Yeah. <laughs> See, um, I blacked out and remember, forgot it anyway. No, that's fine. No, it's good. No, I'm just I'm just curious as to um what like how yeah, I'm trying to see how our training informs our racing because it's what it comes down to. Well, and and that's why I like to run by feel because when you are racing, especially trail and ultras, and marathons on the flat road is different, you run by pace. But in trail and ultras and that sort of thing, you tend to run by feel because you can't run by pace because the terrain is different. Um, so it's really important to learn to run by feel. And I don't run by heart rate because I find in those long races my heart rate monitor chafes me. So I've had to learn to run by feel for those kind of races. Yeah, very good. Uh, Are you not the same? How do you run ultras then? Yeah, I look, definitely, I, I break it up into like the first half and second half pretty simply. And I, I sort of think I try. I try and run the first half well within myself. I don't use a, tra a, a heart rate monitor either. Yeah. Um, but I think it's – I have used it in the past, not in a race. But, like, so 100K race is, like, being the longest that I've done. Um, I would say I would try and get – I basically think I want to get to halfway feeling like I've just more or less started. Like, um, if that's – and I know sometimes I don't always follow that rule – and so I, I will, I will often try and I do think about zone two. I think about pulling back. I think about taking walk breaks earlier than I need them. <clears throat> um, so I think when you start walking because you have no choice but to walk, it gets really hard. Demoralizing. Yeah, but, you know, because that generally happens towards the end. It's like I have to walk. But if you're if you start having little walk breaks early on, I find it helps. Well, like I did a um, 24-hour track race and my strategy right from the start was um, run 13 minutes, walk two minutes, right from the start. And I was the first person to walk. Most people didn't walk until, I don't know, forever. But um, And I felt like such an idiot because there I am after 13 minutes of the race starting and I'm walking. And people yeah. are like, why are you walking? Well, I ended up winning overall. Oh, Wow. So I've, I've had exactly the same sort of thing know? happen where yeah. there was two of us at the front and um, we came to the first hill, and first big hill that just went forever. Um, and I ran for a little bit with the guy that I'd been chatting to and then I just went, I'll, I'll see you later, mate. And he goes, what, are you all right? And I went, yeah, yeah, I'm just my strategy is not to blow up at this point in time. Well, That's six hours a good later, strategy. Yeah, yeah. Six hours later, you know, we're still running the same race, and you know, I went past him and said, oh, how are you doing? He goes, no, I'm done. 
Oh, isn't that an awesome feeling, though, to pass those people? Yeah. I had <laughs> that truly thing. it is. Yeah. Well, I had a guy in my – I think it was in the heist, and I was running with this young guy who had done – I think he'd done more 100K races than even me. He was probably 10 years younger than me. And he, I thought – and he looked fit. He was, he was like, lean and very muscly-looking dude. And I'm like, we were running together for probably about 15 kilometres early on. And I – and I could feel that he just wanted to keep pushing away from me and keep pushing. And we were talking, but I just said, I'll see you later. Off you go. Go and, you know, go keep chasing. And can and, I interrupt once again? That's yep. showing restraint. Yeah, exactly. It was restraint. And you know what? I mean, he disappeared and I thought, oh, he's going to – I thought he, if he's going to – you know, I thought he'd go on with it and do a really good job. Turned out he DNF'd because yeah. he obviously yeah. pushed too hard too early. And, so, and in cycling, we used to call it, you know, you don't want to burn your matches or redline it at the start. Yep, that's exactly right. You know, it's like, very hard to come back from that. It, it's very, very hard. Yeah. Once you blow up an engine, it, um, you have to rebuild it. Yeah. yeah. And I guess I want to circle back just very quickly. This is why we do all that zone two running. And there's a word that we haven't talked about, and that's developing mitochondria. You know? Yes, and I was going to bring that up earlier and then um, got distracted by a different part of the conversation. Yeah, and yeah. so basically, yeah, you, 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 for those that don't know, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, high school biology, but it is a word, I, I just I come back to it. When I go yeah. zone two running, the easy running, it's the best way to develop mitochondria in yep. the cell. Okay. Are you going to take us through the Krebs cycle as well while we're on the No, we don't have Not time. Too deep. Yeah. <laughs> Google it. No, no, there's, there's, um, there's a. I'm not an exercise physiologist. I just know, I know enough. I and I do continually read that stuff. And if I ever, maybe when I grow up one day, I'll go to university oh, and do like exercise physiology. Up. No, it won't grow. But um, but basically, yeah, it is the best way to develop. Yeah. That. What that, What Daniel's trying to get out here is if if you run in zone two and zone one. Your body develops more mitochondria per cell, which allows you to then have more power at your disposal when you want to race. Yeah. Boom. Nailed it. Yep. Yep. That's right. And yep. that's ultimately what we want. So, and therein, I think that that, that just about, I think, is, is a good, because we're getting quite involved in this, that, that's a good spot to sort of start wrapping up. Because yeah. that really explains scientifically why what we're saying is so important not to yeah. race um, every time you run. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Because you don't actually – once you get into zone three and four, you, you use a different cycle. Yeah. In your – develop to, to get energy, you start to use a different cycle. So it's about training and developing more efficient – and more mitochondria within each individual cell within the muscle. Yeah. And you can't argue with the science. No. No. Um, no, well, there's plenty of politicians can, who try. We <laughs> could, yeah, we could possibly do an entire episode talking about this stuff. Um, I think it would be very beneficial. But um, I guess Jeez, overall – I have to pull out a textbook again. Yeah, no, it's fun though. This is good. It we, is fun. What, what we're here for. Um, we um, – <laughs> We, I guess, wrapping into the Strava thing, I think, use, like everything, use Strava 
but don't judiciously. Judiciously, yeah. Don't let it dictate what you do. You tell yeah. the staff what you're doing. Yeah. I want to add a story. Servant. I want to add a story in here, but I'll yeah. let you finish, Isabel. No, no, I'm just saying, don't don't be a slave to Strava. Like, you yeah. know, make it work for you. Yes. Yep. I remember reading a uh, interview with Rob DiCostello. It was in a book that was an interview with all of the top runners. So for those people who don't know, uh, Rob DiCostello in the 80s was the fastest marathoner in the world. Yep. And he was an Australian. And uh, anyway, he would go. Still is, I'm pretty sure. He, he, still, he probably <laughs> still is an Australian, yeah. Awesome um, Australian, yep. That's correct. And uh, he would go for his long run once a week, and he'd go with a bunch of other people, and his long run was always meant to be slow. Mm. And some guy joined the group. I can't remember his name. Anyway, he would start to just run off the front, and apparently this happened for like five or six weeks. This is, you know, this is back in the time where you had a stopwatch that just counted time. That's it. There was no other gadgetry that you carried while you were running. So the next week for the long run, this guy turned up again, and he would always race this long run. So Rob gave everybody a bib. He <laughs> said, "Radio, let's race. Apparently huh. the guy didn't turn up again after that because <laughs> Rob was the what? fastest guy in the world. He could outrun you if he wanted to. Yeah. And, and that's the idea what I'm saying. Rob, was Rob, to wasn't go there. Rob wasn't there to, to, to win racing. Yeah. I mean, no, he wasn't there to win training. He wasn't there to no. win training. He was there to win racing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely that's exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. So uh, yes, it even back then the, the temptation to yeah. feel like you're better because you could win in training yeah. is not going to help you on that important day that you're probably aiming for. Unless training is your absolute outcome, that's all you ever want to do is just train. But most people want to end up in a race doing well. And yeah, that's if you right. want to do that, yeah. you can't race during training. No. No. Not every training session anyway. Not every training session and, and not even like for a whole training session, just elements of it. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. All righty. Well, I think we've pretty well covered. Covered the subject. I think we have. And um, hopefully, I mean, let us know, listeners, what you think um, of this topic and, and what, how, you've, how you cope with the pressures of Strava. Yes. So for that, you jump on our Facebook page, which is yep. Coaching Roundtable on Facebook. Yep. You'll see our ugly mugs there on the uh, the banner oh, now. Speak for yourself. We're all beautiful. You'll I see my ugly mug on the banner. <laughs> You'll see the other two handsome and pretty <laughs> mm, Never been called handsome, but I'll take it. <laughs> no. It's a good, it's a great uh, banner that you created there for yeah, us. Yeah, well done. I've had lots of um, people comment to me how how mm. awesome it looks, and yeah, very artistic. So well you look, done. You look pretty epic. Um, mm. You've helped. Um, you've made us look good. So that that's certainly an achievement. Yeah, good good job. Um, the other thing, yeah. So the Facebook, I put a, a poll on there. Um, some of you may have noticed, and I want to try and put more polls on there about favorite recovery. Mm. So, I don't know if you guys had a look. I thought it'd be good. I, I did have that. a brief look the other day. Yeah. So because we talked oh, about. Oh, some... yes, I had a look at that, and yep, I, 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 I voted in it. My, I, I think, think the... you voted for everything, didn't you? I <laughs> voted for a couple of things. Yeah, you can. Because, because I figured I don't just do one. I think I did like three different things. Yeah, recovery is multifaceted. Exactly. The... I couldn't decide on just one. Yeah, I, was... I think the number one recovery method was 
actual active recovery by a fair huh? by a fair margin. And then the next most popular recovery method was a post-run nap. I'm talking after a big race or a big yeah, run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Post-run nap, which I, I do love it after I've cleaned myself up, got home, I'll sleep for an hour or two if I can. Um, and then I really like this one, a warm bath. Yeah, I voted for that. Yeah. <laughs> I love of, a bath. Yeah. It's better than a, a ice bath. Ice oh, bath God. Pain. Oh, they're hideous. <laughs> Yes. So there you go. So maybe we'll put a poll up every week and we can um, see, get get some feedback on what people think about various things. And uh, maybe we could even start, speaking of Strava, start a Strava group. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, we our... should. And then yeah, we can all compare that. ourselves. But then everyone will see how slow I run. <laughs> it's, it, um, it's all good. I'm following Jim Wormsley and Killian. And so... You know, I look at them, and when they're when they're jogging, that's my Ugh. sprint pace. So you know, yeah, that's and, that's uh, depressing. Yeah. So you can't compare. <laughs> you can't I, compare. Fun to look at though. But, yeah. um, well, I went out running a few weeks ago with the uh, current Australian marathon champion, oh. and um, I can tell you right now that I think we ran together for about oh, 50 meters before he disappeared mm. from view, and uh, when I got back probably half an hour after he had finished the same distance. Um, he was basking in the sun and I was dying. So, <laughs> yeah. All righty. Well, um, another good episode. Uh, we will um, think up something else for next week. Yeah. Um, or, if people have any suggestions, feel free to post them on the Facebook page. Yes, if you want a topic covered because you're pre- preparing for something, let us know. Or not preparing, and that's fine too. Well, yeah, at the moment, not preparing might just, be Just the, wanting the to um, become a better runner or just, you know, learn more about running. Yep, for sure. We running for the sake of running. And that's always a good reason. Yep. Until then, Yep. happy running, folks. Happy yes. running. Have a great week.